0: Welcome to Discovering Nutrition with Chronometer. I am your host and community marketing manager, Elisa. Today we're so happy to have on guest Adam Ross, who is a registered dietitian and nutritionist. He's also certified in sports nutrition from the International Society of Sports Nutrition. Adam runs his own successful business, called AR Nutrition, and he's super motivated and passionate about coaching individuals that are serious about changing their dietary habits and strategies. When we chatted with Adam initially, we could not get off the call because he had so much information, and we're really excited to share it with all of you. As always, this podcast is for general information purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including giving medical advice. The use of information on this podcast is at the user's own risk, and it is not to be substituted for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. So we're very excited to have Adam Ross here, Adam is a registered dietitian and perfect for Men's Health Month, the, the perfect guest. We're doing Men's Health Month this June at Chronometer and then uh, Dawn actually put us in contact with Adam and then Adam and I had a chat that was going to be like 10 minutes and ended up being like four hours. <laughs> and we have so many great things to talk about for you guys. So. Thanks for being our second guest, Adam. Welcome.
1: Yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on and yeah, I appreciate Dawn for, uh, you know, obviously putting us in contact and yeah, we should have <laughs> probably recorded the the first chat we had too, but
0: We should have. It would have been I'm beneficial. Yeah, yeah, I'm
1: excited for this though, so thank you.
0: That's awesome. So we're just going to jump right in. Uh, We have a lot of really good questions for you, and we're going to just not really necessarily bust some myths, but definitely talk about some interesting things that you and I discussed, one of which probably the most interesting little nugget of information I got from you last time was that most people don't necessarily know that they don't really want to lose weight. They would like benefit, like they've reached their goals Just by like toning up or putting on muscle. So can you can you talk to like the how people come to you and have a goal in mind when in actual fact, they could just work out differently or eat differently to achieve their desired result?
1: Yeah, totally. So yeah, and what we had kind of covered on before is, you know, I think in my case is, you know, being a nutrition coach for people is that people come to me with An idea of a specific body composition in mind right and then we always tie a weight to it so everybody comes to me and they say well i just need to lose 20 pounds but in what they're really saying is i want to look like this right and that doesn't necessarily mean you have to lose 20 pounds to look the way that you want to look but you know it's just the way it is kind of in our society, we always kind of, you know, we always throw an arbitrary number on things, right? If I just lost 10 more pounds, I would just look like that guy on the on the magazine that I just saw. And in a lot of cases, that's not, that's not the case at all, right? It, it's more, I guess, a case of like building up the body composition, right? Where, you know, we're building lean muscle mass, we're certainly taking off some body fat mass as that's going on, right? But it's almost like a recomposition rather than just a weight loss. So like how I usually like to describe it to people is that, Hey, if you have a body that's, I don't know if people can see this, but you know, however you you got your pear shaped body, whatever, and you're not very happy with the way it looks. Okay. And you just made that thing five pounds lighter, but the shape of it never changed nothing ever changed there it just got a little bit lighter would you be happy with having the exact same body but just five pounds lighter and most people would say no right most people want you know if we're talking men's health so the bigger shoulders the bigger chest the bigger biceps you know stronger legs all these different mm-hmm. things that doesn't come from just slimming down a body by five pounds, right? That comes from re re-comping the body and, and increasing your muscle mass, decreasing your fat mass. And if there's some pounds lost along the way, then great. But I think in most cases, you know, I always say you can't, no one knows what your weight is. You know, when you walk out of the house in the morning, you know, if you weighed yourself, that's where it ends, right? You walk out of the house, there's not a number stamped on your forehead with your weight, but when you walk out of the house, people are going to see how you look. And for so for most of us, We want to look a specific way, but then we tie like a number to it. And it's a lot of times the two don't coexist very well, right?
0: So when you're working with people and they come to you and they have a specific number in mind, how do you get them to kind of shift to the mindset that, that they need to do more body recomp work, as opposed to just like losing weight. Is that a conversation you have, or is it something they learn for themselves? Like how are you making the shift for your clients?
1: Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. So I'll usually kind of say that little spiel that I just said, right. About, you know, actually changing the composition and the look of the body. Right. And that, that may, uh, that may come with five or 10 pounds of weight loss or whatever, or it may not. But also, too, I think there's a lot of value in seeing a result, right? So in a a lot of cases, you know, if someone comes to me and tells me, hey, I want to lose 10 pounds, I I don't look back at them and say, no, you don't. You don't want to lose 10 pounds. Like, you know, like I'm going to meet people where they're at, but I'm also going to try to provide them. You know more than just uh I guess more than just weight loss right like so as we start to go through things, and the way I set the meal plans up and everything like that and, and the kind of the demographic of people I work with they're very physically active you know we're doing uh, a diet that is is conducive to like adjusting your body composition not just like losing a bunch of weight or whatever so people start to see the value in that right where they're like okay yeah maybe my scale's not changing as much but. I look like this, like I look in the mirror and I'm very happy. So at that point, you know, then people's mind shifts or mindsets start to shift a little bit and it becomes a little bit easier. So I, th- I think it's, especially at the beginning, it's kind of about playing the middle, right? Where if the weight is lost and great, but I think people usually get very happy with, you know, seeing the composition change. And if the weight doesn't change, there are a lot, it's, it, it's a lot easier to be okay with that, you know?
0: Yeah. I think that part of the thing with weight loss is it's really easy to quantify something. Then, you know, like you step on the scale, you weigh 170 pounds, you weigh a hundred, you want to weigh 165. You can actually like see that progress where it is a lot harder to see changes that are made to like lean muscle and that kind of thing. And that definitely take, can take a lot more work to put on muscle than to lose weight. So, When you're working with people, because society now is so driven at instantaneous results and, you know, like tabloids or lose 10 pounds in two weeks, those kinds of those, those kind of claims. How do you get people to actually shift their mindset from wanting that instant gratification versus like building something that's sustainable for them? Like how how do you walk them through that process because you're not necessarily just coaching them on what to eat you're you're coaching them on how to eat and it's it's like a mental restructure as much as is a mm-hmm. nutritional one
1: yeah no totally and and I think you know the big thing that I try to do especially right off the bat when I'm first meeting with people is just ask good questions you know mm-hmm. i think that's a really important one right is to you, you know start by asking a series like good series of cre- questions related to like what they actually want for their body, right? And not only what they want for their body, but what they want for their life, right? And then so if we can kind of create a connection on like how food is going to improve like their long-term ability to like look better and live happier and all these things, then we can, I think we can adjust that focus a little bit. Um, I think, you know, that that usually goes pretty well for me, you know, and and I also like to kind of get it out of the way, like right off the bat, you know, when I first start working with someone is that I don't do I don't do crash diets for people. So Mm -hmm. I, I let that be known right away that, hey, like, if you're here to make dietary change like something sustainable something long term then i'm your guy if you just want a 1200 calorie crash diet or something like that i'm not your guy right but i i do think that when we can tie it into a little bit more of how we can really improve you know again it's like of course we all want that instant gratification Mm -hmm. you know it's it's great And, and i'm not saying i'm taking anybody through this like well, this is gonna be a three year process and blah blah blah. You know, like we're trying to get results right off the hop, of course, right? Absolutely. But I, I think if we can tie it into like, hey, you know, a lot of people that come to me, they've done this before, right? They've done the crash diets, they've done the fad diets, and and they've maybe seen a quick result right away, but now they're back and they're unhappy and now they're reaching out to somebody else again. So, you know, I like to kind of just set the tone at the beginning and say, listen what I'm trying to create for you is a new dietary strategy, something that's going to be sustainable long term. And, you know, I tell people, like, when you come out of this program of mine, you know, if you like, the whole point of this is that I don't want you to see this as like a short term thing where you're like, yeah, I could do this for a couple months, I can put up with this, right. And then, you know, after a few months or whatever, then I'll just kind of fall back into old habits. Like, I really want people to, you know, I want to work with people to help them understand the sustainability of eating in a healthier way and not only getting the result within a few months or whatever, or starting to get ourselves there, but figuring out how to sustain that, right? So like, I want people to, to look at it and be like, yeah, I could do this forever. Like, I could eat like this for the rest of my life. And then obviously, things would just adjust with your life as, as that adjusts, right?
0: Well, and I think that the word diet in itself has kind of like diet, basically, it just means like what you eat, you know, what any person consumes is their diet. But it's it's getting this word that's attached to like being on a diet. And so I think that maybe like we could talk about how what makes an ideal diet for somebody you did touch on it you know we we want something to be sustainable you know you don't want to look like oh i have to give up x for x number of days what other things would you consider you know for people that are listening to this wanting to know where to start on an ideal diet that's sustainable for them what does that look like
1: yeah totally so that's that's my big thing is i, I always like you said that just the word diet just has this negative connotation now almost right where it's like, oh well, you know, you, when you're on, if you're doing a diet, you have to be doing something drastic or something crazy, right? It can't just be that you're eating normal food, um, yeah. good, healthy foods, right? <clears throat> so, yeah, I mean, in in terms of, and that's why I've kind of, you know, used the term ideal dietary strategy, meaning that you know, dietary, we still got to eat, but we want to just create a strategy for you, right? We, it's not necessarily like a rigid set of like guidelines that you must do or else you're failing kind of thing, right? So obviously, we're planning out calories, like macros, and paying attention to micronutrients and everything, and that's why is great is because I can build all that stuff in there, like, perfectly, right? Like, I can take care of their calories, I can customize that I can customize their macronutrients. But I can also pay attention to all the micronutrition that they're getting and stuff, right? So that's, that's what I love about the program. But then we also have to kind of live in the reality that, you know, just because I set up your calories and macros, that doesn't mean you're gonna, you're gonna hit that every day, right? Like, life's gonna get in the way, everybody's got work kids travel whatever it might be or there're just maybe days where just things don't go as planned or whatever right so you know I, I think this is kind of where if if we can get into kind of understanding a structure of like here's how much you know protein you're going to want to get in the day here's how much carbohydrates and things like that in specific meals and then build a, around that with a lot of good healthy high quality like you know more plant based foods like lots of veggies lots of berries lots of fruits our good complex carbohydrates and stuff and we can kind of learn how to build that into like you know, build a plate, essentially, right, like build that into like, what an ideal meal is going to look like for you, then I think we have a lot like a structure that we can follow, right. So even if I go out to a restaurant, I know I can get x amount of protein, I can get a carb on my plate, and I can get a bunch of veggies or something like that, right. And it, and it kind of can move with us. And it can kind of, you know, we can use it to shape how we eat our foods, but we don't have to be like, prepped or always weighing and measuring or whatever at all times. Right. So I I think that once we kind of have that framework in place and we understand kind of what an ideal plate or an ideal meal is going to look like for us, then it, it travels a lot easier, I guess, you know,
0: kind of how I'd put it. That's awesome. So you think that you'd obviously look at the nutrients you need, but also just like look at lifestyle, your eating habits, like eating out, eating in, if you're preparing meals for your children, like considering all of those things, you sit down and you you discuss all of those when you're working with your clients?
1: Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Reality is right. Like we've all got we've all got stuff. So I'm huge on meeting people where they're at and understanding that like, I can make you, I can make you the perfect macros. I can put everything together in just the right amount of grams or ounces or whatever. And we can plan it out perfectly. Right. Which, you know, which I I do that and they get an example of that, but I know that it's never going to go that way. Right. So we then have to sit down and figure out, okay, what's, what's in the way, what is the life things that we need to get around? And I'm kind of, I'm huge on, I always talk about having like a plan ABC. Right. And to me, like plan A is going to be like, Yep, I have either like meals prepped and waiting for me in the fridge or something like that. Or I have planned to like, you know, make my dinner, pre-portion it out, whatever, and, and you know, eat in alignment with my macros. Plan B is going to be something where, you know, we're on the run. We have to stop at a restaurant or something like that. And just kind of figuring out like in a lot of cases, most of our lives are pretty Like I guess similar in terms of like we we go similar places, you know, we pass by, you know, similar routes and everything like that. So like, it's really just like, okay, let's figure out what's on your route. So you know, if you're running your kids between school and baseball practice or something, you know that there's these three restaurants that you can stop at and then let's plan out what you can get at these places that's still going to be in alignment with The goals that you have set for yourself with your body, right? And then Plan C would be literally just like running through a Seven Eleven or something like that. And the nice thing about now, just in general, there's there is more of a focus on health, societally, right? So you're always going to be able to, even if I go into a Seven Eleven, I can find at Mm. least some snacks and you know stuff like that. That's still going to be, again, it's it's maybe not perfect, but it's still Mm. in alignment with where we're trying to go. And it's going to be, you know, the better than option, you know.
0: Yeah, in a pinch, I'm all about those builder uh, Cliff bars. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely keep one of those in my truck. That is my Plan D. My Plan D is no stops whatsoever, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna eat this Cliff bar in three bites. yeah. i i love that so i think just if people could just sit down and you know people when when they're getting into a diet they're just really thinking about the foods you know like i can have this i can't have that i got a grocery shop for this i'm gonna grocery shop for that but i think that what you said is so important because i think that just like planning for the ups and downs the curveballs that's yeah. like that's when re- someone really sticks to a diet right because because yeah. because. Because I know that I've been sidetracked before, you know, running out of town goes way later or illness comes up and you can't go grocery shopping and then you're just like kind of like piecemealing something together and it's never good. It's always messy. And then honestly, those kinds of things have derailed me before. So I think that making a plan should be included in part of a diet. And I love that you're doing that. And that brings me to our next question. So. One of I the Can things-
1: just, could I just cut you off? Could I say like one Please thing do. about that? Sorry. Just, do. No, I
0: love
1: it. Cause this is one thing I, I really have. And this is why like the, the whole like fad diet are super rigid. And, and that's why I try to keep to more of a structure is that a lot of times, like you said, we, we have this idea that things are inherently like bad, right? So mm-hmm. if I, if I got to stop for a sandwich or something, that's bad. Cause I had bread. It's like maybe that was your very best option and if you didn't stop for the sandwich at four o'clock and you tried to wait it out until dinner at eight then you're stopping at a mcdonald's because you're so hungry at that point that you can't even think straight so i think the the big thing for people is that you know especially like you were talking about you know if we're tr- trying to kind of follow along with like a diet right or we're just really trying to improve our eating habits and stuff we get in a in this position a lot of times where we think like these are the good foods I have to eat and these are the bad foods that I can't Mm -hmm. eat. But what we don't, what I like to me, adherence is a little bit different, right? Adherence is more along the lines of like, we're, we're not trying to be perfect. We're just trying to be better than we would have been in the past or better than like, we're just trying to do better than we would have done. Right. So like a lot of times, you know, for me, for the people I work with adherence might be the turkey sandwich or something, because Mm -hmm. that kind of saves you through the afternoon. Is it, is it the most nutritionally dense meal you could possibly eat? No, it's not. But does it cover your bases? Does it get you some carbs? Does it get you some protein? And if you throw some veggies on that thing, does it get you some micronutrition? Yeah, it does. Right. And it's like, if, if we can start to think of things a little more along those lines, rather than just like good or bad, like sometimes I think it's just like you said, we're too quick to get derailed when we think we've done something wrong. I think a lot of times if we can just plan options that are better than and start to uh, consider that more of being adherent, it goes a little bit easier and it's taken a lot of pressure off too, right? Because a lot of us, and I've been there too, it's like if we're not eating our chicken quinoa and broccoli, we feel like we're doing it wrong. And it's not, it doesn't have to be that rigid. You can still get a really good result by just choosing good foods very often and then doing your best in those off times, you know?
0: I love that you're saying this as a coach because I think a misconception for some people, not all, but definitely some could be that you hire a coach like yourself and then you're like locked into this commitment, not only to yourself, but to somebody else. Mm -hmm. And you're, you know, a lot of people are people pleasers. A lot of people don't want to let their coach down. They don't want the Mm -hmm. shame, you know, they, they might not want to log some things and not be totally honest. Like so I'm, published a great blog about like lying to to chronometer uh (laughs) i thought it was so good but it's at the end of the day your body tells the truth you know like whether you're logging it or not that's why i log everything i have no shame uh but but i love that as a coach that you're giving this leeway because i think working with with someone that understands that that does not expect perfection it would be very freeing and i think that like that would help with the, with the with the cycle a lot of people you know have some emotionally eating cues sure. and that kind of thing and and that would definitely go a long way and the other thing that you hit on that I love as well, and I'm going to quote our nutrition scientist, Karen, uh, she said, food doesn't have morals. Food is not good or bad. And I think a lot of people are surprised that we have a bagel station at work. People are like, aren't bagels bad for you? I'm like, <laughs> like yeah. we are, we are also human. We also, you know, want to enjoy food. Cause I, I think food is one of life's greatest pleasures.
1: Totally. Yeah. And and that's the thing, right? Like, we are all human. And like, it would just be hypocritical. Like, I'm a human being too. Like, I like to have whatever, you know, every once in yeah. a while, I'll get into some pizza or some chocolate or whatever. So, you know, for me, I'm I'm big on I got a couple of different, like, I like to talk about kind of like two buckets when we're talking about like our, our dietary approach, right? Like, we've got our nutrition bucket. Like, I always want you know, I, I think it's going to be beneficial for everybody to always be trying to fill that nutrition bucket as often as they can, right? So that's, you know, your, your healthier options, right? Your good lean proteins, good complex carbs, healthy plant-based fats, you know, lots of fruits and veggies and all these different things. Those are going to provide all, you know, great calories, good macronutrients, good micronutrition, But at the end of the day, too, we also still have to have some enjoyment in there, right? So we kind of have like our nutrition bucket, and then we have our foods that we enjoy bucket. So, you know, at at the end of the day, if we've kind of hit all our bases nutritionally, it's okay to have that treat or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. or if it again, kind of back on the topic of adherence, like, if having that piece of bread with your dinner, helps you eat a really high quality diet, because like, maybe you love bread, it's your favorite thing in the world. Then don't quit it. Like just fit it, you know, fit it in. Like and
0: oh, I love that, Adam. Don't quit it, just fit it.
1: I've never said that before. That was the first time I ever said that. But it it did ring nice.
0: That is a hashtag we are going to be using from now on.
1: (laughs) All right. I like that. I'll use it too. But but literally, you know, like if we're if we're eating a, a healthy diet and like bread is that thing you've loved forever, or ice cream or something like that, then literally like i want you to find a way to fit that into your diet because it's going to help with adherence long term right because what's going to end up happening is you're going to try to cut that ice cream out or that bread out for three three or four weeks and then you're going to crack and you're going to feel like that failure that you talked about and you're going to end up going off the rails right whereas if we just plan that into your day and it's like all right let's just do really good you know breakfast lunch snack dinner And then have that bread with your dinner or have that ice cream at night with your with your kid or something like that. And just kind of make it fit, you know, and and takes a lot of pressure off. And it also helps with quality of life. And to me, that's adherence. Right. It's we don't try for perfection. We just try for adherence the best we can.
0: I love that. And so. One of the things I wanted to talk about was working with a coach one-on-one because out there, there are so many diets that are on the internet. You know, like you can download a 30-day plan for keto. You can do, it, you know, the vegan, it, what is it, viguary for... for- <laughs> I think, like, you know, there's just there's just a lot yeah. of different options out there and and it's interesting because one of the things with coaching, like I love that we touched on that, you know, you're not going to shame people, which would be illuminating for some people. But beyond that, why is there such a benefit to just like working one-on-one, like to having something tailored to you as opposed to just going and spending $49.99 and downloading a template that's going to lay out exactly what you should eat?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean... To me, it's just about, again, all, all these kind of like fad diets or diet templates and stuff like they're all great in theory, right? Like everything works in theory. Like if, if you were, if you could grab, if you're one of those people who you can grab that template and you can follow it down to the last detail, then great. You know, like maybe that's all you need, right? But I, I think kind of like everything we have spoken about up to this point is there's just a lot of lifestyle factors and stuff that come into play, you know, and again, I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of a believer In working with people, working with their food likes, dislikes, lifestyles, all these different things to come up with something that because again, I mean, if I have to follow a template, how long am I gonna follow that template for the rest of my Mm -hmm. life? Like I'm not trying to change somebody's life for one month. I'm trying to change it for the rest of it, right? So I I think that's the thing is like, and that's the problem where a lot of people say, Well, I did this diet and it worked. You know, I did it, I did keto for four weeks and it worked. I lost 10 pounds. Like, all right, well, Mm -hmm. where are you at now? Well, I'm I'm up 15. Like right. I gained those 10 back and I'm up five more. And that's kind of the issue with that stuff, right? Is it's like, it's, it, to me, it's just, it's too simple. You know, it mm-hmm. is. and And unfortunately, like those templates and stuff, like, like I said, in theory, they're great. But when it comes down to just fitting somebody's life, I always talk about, you know, we, we try to stuff ourselves into the box you know, and you can only stuff yourself into that little box for so long before you bust out of it kind of thing. So I I prefer like with, you know, my idea of of the dietary strategy, we kind of create your box, you know, like, let's figure out what parameters you need to live within so that you can get the goals you want. But you also get to have the those the life that you want as well, right. So that's where I think that the one on one coaching comes is just a little bit more beneficial, right. And then not only that, but I mean, the, the hugest, piece of nutrition in general is the mindset piece right like you know if it was as simple as just I think everybody knows what to eat for the most part we all know what we need to be doing but none of us are doing it right so I mean my template can say whatever it wants but people just flat out aren't doing that right and people know that if they ate more lean protein they ate a more vegetable focused diet they were in more moderation on their carbs and their fats and they stayed away from the obvious like the ultra processed the super sugary fatty high caloric stuff then most of us are probably probably not need a nutritionist or or a a meal plan or anything like that, right? But the simple fact is, it's not that easy. So there's such a mindset piece to it. And I think that's where the the coaching and the support and the accountability and everything comes into play, you know, is it it can be super beneficial just to help you work through certain things.
0: Well, and I think because I've worked with a coach, and I saw tremendous benefit, you know, just even firing off things like just little questions, text message, like, should I be taking college? And like, like, there's so much information on the internet it's everywhere it's all different opinions working with someone like yourself a registered dietitian this is literally what you went to school for you know like there's there is so much value there so let's dive into some questions that uh <laughs> no one can see me but i like am yeah, itching itching to discuss these because i've seen these these are questions i actually have myself and i uh talked to one of our staffers who he trains a lot and uh, i'm like what are some good questions that would be specific to not just men, but that a lot of like, you know, men in their twenties and thirties would be looking for. So yeah. we're just going to dive right in. Uh What's the difference between cutting and bulking?
1: Sure. Yeah. So cutting obviously would be, you know, just the loss of body fat, right? So essentially, you know, when we're trying to cut, we're not trying to cut any kind of lean muscle, So we're having to cut all of the, you know, we're trying to, reduce the fat tissue on our body, right? So, I mean, obviously a cutting phase would be something where you went a little lower calorically, keep your protein up high, um, but you really do have to be pretty aware of, you know, the amount of calories you're taking in so that, you know, if we're kind of following the, the energy balance model, right, we got to be in that calorie deficit essentially, right? So if we want to lose the body fat, we've got to be consuming less calories than we're burning throughout the day. So that would obviously be the, the major part of the the cutting phase. And then bulking is obviously going to be the exact opposite of that, right? So that's going to be Lots of eating, lots of weightlifting, getting ourselves into that caloric surplus and to the point where we can, you know, gain the the lean muscle mass that we're trying to gain. It's very hard to do either of these without, you know, you're not going to gain only muscle and zero fat and you're not going to cut only fat and zero muscle in most cases, right? With You know, trying to keep the protein high and then the bulk obviously would be a caloric surplus.
0: Okay. That's great. Um, How do you know, like if someone's like, okay, I want to cut or I want to bulk. How do you know how many calories you should be either decreasing or increasing by? Like where how do you know? Like let's just get down to like the the bare minimum here. Yeah. Assuming for... assuming someone has heard about cutting, researched it to the point that they know they want to cut, where do they start?
1: Yeah, that that's a tricky one, because I mean, everyone's going to be a little bit different. And it's going to really depend on like what you're doing, like in, in terms of your, you know, your workouts and your activity and stuff like that. I mean, essentially, in terms of like a cut, I would say, and you've got to really monitor like your amount of weight loss, right? Like, you know, I, I think it's, you know, to be at a, coming down at about a pound or something per week would be plenty, right? Because we we also don't want to we got to get ourselves into kind of that, I guess, sweet spot, I would call it where because we do have the ability to reduce our own muscle mass if we go too low with our calories. Right. right. So we, we essentially want to keep our, our calories at a level where we still have energy for our workout, obviously. Right. Because I mean, if we're if we got no energy and we're just having trash workouts, it's not going to be beneficial to really probably even to our cut and certainly not to like maintaining our muscle mass, right. And then if we go too low calorically, we are just going to end up burning off extra muscle mass, right. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think it's important to kind of find that little bit of an in between, like I would say, you know, if you've been you, you definitely need to know your caloric maintenance. So you you've had to have been living at, you know, say whatever, say you're eating 2500 calories a day for, I don't know, two to four weeks or something like that. Nothing's changing in terms of weight. So you know, you're at a pretty much at a maintenance level there, I would say at that point, maybe start by dropping, down about you know 15 of those calories and then kind of you really got to monitor obviously the the feedback from your body there right like your energy levels you know keep your protein high to make sure that you're still promoting the, the ability to keep your muscle mass and not end up burning some of that off right so that's kind of in terms of a cut i would i think i would go slower rather than unless i had something crazy going on i would go with a slower cut rather than a super fast one so you know i would maybe start by taking out a couple hundred you know 250 calories or something like that living that out for a week seeing seeing what the result is seeing what the energy levels are like and making sure that you're still having the ability to have hard workouts. And then obviously we can start to reduce it, you know, by maybe a hundred calories or so from there as needed, right. Until we get ourselves into a point where we're really happy with kind of the amount of like fat mass we've lost. And then obviously maintaining the muscle.
0: So that was my next question is about how long should each process take, but from what you're saying, it's kind of subjective to the individual and how quickly they want to get there. Is that right?
1: Yeah. I, I would say, the more time you have, the better, like if, if you're not doing, you know, sometimes like a bodybuilder will only give themselves like, I don't know, 12 weeks or eight weeks or something like that. Obviously if you have a very specific timeline, then you're going to have to go a little bit more aggressive with it. But you also knowing that you're going to be able to come out of that right after that eight weeks or 12 weeks or whatever, if you're just in it, you know, you're just trying to get leaner and you don't have a super specific timeline, I would do it a s- little bit slower rather than fat. Oh, there's, now, yeah, I mean, you got me going. Now, there's two ways we could go with a little more sprints. And you can just cut the calories quickly, get the fat loss, and then bring the calories back up. Or what I prefer to do with people is go a little bit slower, because then that way, it's a little bit uh, easier to maintain, right? So like the, the faster it is, obviously, the harder it is to maintain because you're going to really have to drop the bottom out of your calories and everything. And you're not going to be able to maintain like your energy levels and even the, the level of like nourishment that your body needs, right? Mm-hmm. in terms of getting all your vitamins, minerals, all that stuff. So I would prefer to go a little slower if you had the time and really work your way into that deficit and see the, the, the fat loss a little bit slower over time. But it's also very maintainable at that point too, right? And then obviously, by not having to reduce calories as much, we're not getting like the lows in energy as much we're not getting as much hunger as much cravings mood swings all that sort of stuff we're still able to nourish our body a lot more and we're still able to maintain muscle mass probably at at an easier level as well
0: i've read i'm not sure how credible this was on the internet but that you should only live in a cutting phase or a caloric deficit i think it was for 12 weeks a year was like the blanket statement that, that the person said, is there any truth to that? Like, because obviously if you're constantly in a caloric deficit, there are some repercussions on, on your body. Like you, you hinted at, well, you flat out said like, you know, energy levels and cravings and and that and nourishment how long should someone live in a deficit for? Like, what's the maximum? What are the repercussions if they're in there for too long?
1: Yeah, I don't know if like the max would be 12 weeks. I think again, it would be depending on how, you know, how much you're dropping the bottom out of the calories and everything like that. There'd be so many different factors that went into it, right? Like your activity levels, your ability to recover from all this stuff. But uh, yeah, I mean, essentially, like kind of what you're getting at is, is, you know, the longer you do it, the more the body is gonna start to adapt and adjust as well, right? So for a lot of people, what we do is we get into these, these low calorie states and we try to live there forever and it just becomes, it's not beneficial, right? Because essentially what's gonna happen is the body's going to adjust, your metabolism may slow down a little bit just from that metabolic adaptation where it's like, all right, my body's gonna make do with or do its best with the calories that are available to it. Right. So, you know, if I'm not providing it as many calories, it'll probably learn to live on a, on a lower calorie intake. Right. And then also we get a lot of, you know, different adaptations in terms of just like, a decrease in your, your neat, right. Your non-exercise activity, meaning just like you, you won't be as active. You won't be as motivated to like get up and take a walk or go do some things, or you won't be as animated with like talking with your hands or moving your feet around <laughs> at the table. Like all of these things are ways that the body actually, the body actually does this intentionally to conserve energy when we're not providing it the amount of energy it needs, right? Like your body's very smart and it doesn't, I tell everybody all the time, it doesn't care about your chest or like your pecs or your shoulders or your abs, or your biceps. It just is there to keep you alive, right? So if we're in this reduced calorie state for too long of a period of time, we will get adaptations to make, you know, if I'm supposed to be eating 2,500 calories and I'm only eating 1,500, it's going to do what it's got to do to kind of, you know, make those 1,500 calories work to keep me alive and it's probably not going to be super beneficial to your body composition goals right so you know i kind of got off on a tangent there i don't even know i love I, tangents <laughs> yeah i don't even know if i remember the question so well but i just like in terms of being at a deficit yeah i mean the way i attack this with people is we can go into the deficit until and we have to be very smart about it you got to be very mindful until your are like all of your biofeedback and stuff starts to hit the tubes a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. So you're gonna notice a reduction in energy, you're gonna notice increased hunger, you're gonna notice increased cravings, you may have some mood swings and all these things. And then at that point, yeah, we're probably gonna wanna bring the calories back up for a little while, do do a little bit of like a you know, refeed, if you wanna call it mm-hmm. that, re-energize, re-nourish, you know, and, and just make sure we get the body the calorie or the calories that it needs and that it's looking for. And mm-hmm. then all as our energy levels, you know, level off as our hunger and our mood and our cravings and everything level off, then we can maybe think about going back into that, right? So it, it's going to depend on the aggressiveness of the deficit, right? If you're going at a smaller deficit, you may be able to live that out for, you know, a couple months or something like that. If you're going at a more aggressive deficit, you may be, only be able to live that out for a couple weeks, you know?
0: This is so, this is so, it's so systematic. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it this is, so much to consider beyond like actually like what you're eating. This is how you're eating and how to reach yeah. your goals.
1: I was going to say, and that's the big thing too, is goals, right? Because when when we're in that deficit phase, we're really doing our body a disservice in terms of our ability to like build extra lean mass and everything, mm-hmm. right? Like when we're at that deficit, we're trying to lose fat mass and we're trying to just hang on to muscle mass. We're, we're right. It's going to be very difficult to be or almost next to impossible or whatever to be really building muscle especially the more the def- the lower the deficit goes or the the wider the deficit is right so it is really going to depend on goals related so if you're one of those guys like we kind of talking about bulking like if you're really wanting to put on muscle you've got to eat more food right if you're really just wanting to focus on fat loss and you're not worried about a little bit of muscle loss or just only being able to maintain then you're going to probably want to hold on to that deficit for as long as you can you know
0: this takes us to our next question Perfect. About muscle gain, are there shortcuts? Can I get big fast? And I'm not <laughs> talking like a steroid shortcut. I'm talking a nutritional shortcut. <laughs> I want to get jacked out, and then I want to be jacked tomorrow. Yeah. If people, you know, can lose ten pounds in in uh, two weeks, I want to put on ten pounds of muscle of muscle in two weeks. How do I do yeah. that? Can I do that?
1: Yeah. I mean, how fast it goes on is debatable probably. Right. But I mean, eat and lift. Right. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, it, it takes honestly, you got to be at that caloric surplus. Right. It takes a lot of food, a lot of excess energy in the form of your calories to build that muscle and then you got to be creating the the stress on the system that it has to rebuild and repair from right so you know at that point i i would say you know you're going to want to be doing a little bit less cardio you're going to be wanting to focus heavily on a good amount of lifting some heavy lifting some volume based lifting all these different things and you know like don's the guy for that he can he can talk all those numbers about the the programming
0: We'll get him on
1: those. <laughs> exactly, he he'll 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 give you all the all the right things in terms of the workouts and you know the volume and all that stuff. Um, but in in terms of food, yeah, I mean you you just really got to eat right. And the the interesting thing I'll say about that too, and I think this is a lot of athletes get into this problem, and not only athletes, but you know just like good solid weekend warriors or people who are really training hard, is that and we're trying to eat very healthy at the same time. And this kind of comes back to that, like, good versus bad food a little bit, too. When when we have a, a need for a ton of calories, like, if I'm, you know, say, whatever, your maintenance, I've used the 2,500. So, say your maintenance is the 2,500, and in, in order to build that muscle mass, you're going to want to go about 10% higher than that, at least, right? So, let's just say we really go crazy on it and we go, you know, up to 3,500 calories, it's very hard to do that from chicken and salad and some white rice or something like that. Right. So in, in that case, that kind of comes back to like that whole fill your nutrition bucket, but then there you're going to have to fill your calorie bucket. So that may lead to like having some foods that maybe we wouldn't say are are perfectly healthy for us, but they provide the calories we need. Right. So I think it's important there that, you know, we, obviously we got to get on the high protein, but the protein is only going to help you to a certain extent as well. You know, after about probably point. Five grams per kilogram, or something like that. You're really probably not going to be building extra muscle because of the protein you're eating. So then it becomes more about planning out your carbs and your fats in a in a more strategic way to make sure that we're getting the increased calories so that we can build the muscle. You know.
0: Okay, so you decided that you're you are going to bulk. How do you? Try to like, you won't know the kind of weight that you're gaining. You know, there's really nothing that can tell you beyond like getting different kinds of scans, yeah. like the, the the regular person at home beyond like looking in the mirror and seeing their aesthetic. How do you know that you're gaining muscle as opposed to fat when you're gaining weight?
1: Yeah, that's the tricky part. I would say the mirror, like that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of how you're going to have to do it, right? Like you're going to really have to monitor how the, your, your own progress right with your composition so if you do find i mean you're gonna have to be okay with maybe getting a little puffier you know maybe not as defined or whatever in order to put that that bulk on i i do think it's important to understand where you know like for example i gave the example of like you know from 2500 up to 3500 if you do the 3500 calories and you're gaining weight rapidly and you're looking in the mirror and you're like all right i'm like definitely putting on some significant body fat at that mm-hmm. point you're going to probably want to scale back like i think probably going about like 10% over maintenance is probably the a nice place where you can be where you can be adding additional muscle without adding a lot of additional body fat you know getting above that you may start to kind of plateau in terms of the amount of muscle you're building but continue to add fat mass. Right. So I would kind of toy with that, right. I would start with that 10% number over maintenance and then, and then really just monitor with the mirror. Right. So obviously things aren't going to be, you got to kind of, Get over the fact that things aren't going to be as, uh, I guess, lean or as cut as as they were in the past. But you know, if you do find that you're really starting to gain some rapid fat, then you just need to cut those calories back a little bit.
0: So it sounds like it's just a process, you know, that people have to kind of be married to, like to understand what works specifically for their body, and then like go and adjust, and then try something new until you really understand. You know, right. this isn't necessarily for the faint of heart or someone who wants to just do something for two weeks. This is a commitment. Yep, and that's totally. great. Do you track your nutrition yourself?
1: I do and I don't. I do at, at certain times of the year for sure. And I will say tracking it was the best thing I ever did. And that is why I do macros with people. That is why I have people track their food when they work with me because there's no better way to learn about yourself, about your dietary intake, about your caloric intake and all that stuff than doing your weighing and measuring and tracking, right? Like, you know, I say this to everybody, like if you have never done it, you probably have an idea or like this thought of like, oh yeah, I just eat, you know, I eat 150 grams of protein, 200 grams of carbs and 50 grams of fat every day. And I'm telling you, you have got absolutely no idea um, <laughs> so actually, true you know, like until you put something on a scale and you weigh it out and you and you track it and you log it right so i definitely when i need when i've got something going on that i really want to prepare for or i'm really trying to take things to another level i 100% i'm getting on my food log or if i'm just been having a rough couple of weeks or i'm curious about certain things um, then I definitely will get back in there as a way to kind of like get a little bit of accountability to myself. So I, I kind of go in uh, ebbs and flows with that. I'm not the guy that does it every day. Um, I know, you know, you're, you're good with that. You do it every day, but I, uh, I'm super consistent with the foods that I eat as well. So like, you know, like for instance, like I have this little white, like soup ladle thing, and mm-hmm. I use that for my rice. And I know that one scoop of, of rice from that ladle is two ounces. So I know that you know give or take right like if i'm doing Mm -hmm. two scopes of my rice from uh the ladle i'm getting four ounces of rice or whatever right so like because i took the opportunity and i would recommend this to people too that maybe weighing and measuring and logging food for the rest of their life is kind of like you know deterring them from even trying at the beginning because a lot of people feel like that, right? Like, Oh, well, if I can't do it all the time, like, why would I bother? But it's the learning process, right? So what I always recommend is like, do it for a while, and learn what is that ideal intake for you. So understand what, you know, I mean, I'm in in the US now. So I talk in ounces now, but you know, understand what six ounces of of a protein looks like on your plate, understand what six ounces of a carb looks like on your plate, you know, understand what eight to 10 ounces of vegetables looks like on your plate, or, you know, things like that. Because, when we do when we understand how much we ideally like how much food is we should be eating, we can Mm. still reenact that, right? Like if we kind of have that learner's mindset while we're doing it, you know, I always tell everybody that like, don't just weigh mindfully weigh and measure stuff, you know, do it with a purpose so that when you go to a restaurant and a salmon shows up on your plate, you know, if it's three, six or nine ounces, right? Like Mm. give or take, right? Like, you know, and, and that stuff's very important too, because I think it, it can, it can, it can really help us at least moderate our food choices in a much better way than than we can moderate if we've never done that before.
0: Well, and I think people might be surprised to learn that like our whole our whole staff, like we don't we don't necessarily want everyone to log every day. I mean, do we want that? Okay, yes, we do. But at the end of the day, we understand that there is flexibility and one of the things that I find so interesting about when people don't want to track because they're like, well, it's it's almost like ignorance is bliss. Like they don't yeah. want to know. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's, and I totally understand that. Uh, and I can respect that. But at the end of the day, like there's no lying to your body. There's no, like you put something in your body and there's, you know, hundreds and thousands of reactions that happen as a result of that, you know, like blood sugar spikes and, and different, different things like that. And I want to know what I'm putting in my body, because at the end of the day, if I'm blogging it or not, doesn't change the fact that I'm still ingesting those things. Okay. And I think that being educated about those things that I am ingesting goes so far. Like, you know, you, you can identify gaps in your diet or yeah. or like I I was woefully low on protein. I'm talking like 50 grams a day. That is not adequate for my body. I would have Mm -hmm. never known that. And then there are like, I'm, you know, we're, we're still young and vital and feeling great. There can be things that happen with the deficiencies that do show up even when you're younger, but I really want to set myself up for success later. And if I didn't start tracking now, I would have, I would never know. So I think it's like, you're eating it anyway, just get a little educated, right?
1: Yeah, totally. Well, and that's the thing is it's so informational, right? Like you said, Mm -hmm. I mean, and and chronometer being as like, I guess thorough and as it is, is it's, it's incredible because we can, and I do this, that's the reason why I use chronometer is I can monitor every single nutrient that's going into people's bodies essentially, right? Like whether it's macro or micro. And I love that because like you said, we can really start to pick up on things where it's like, okay, hey, like, you know, your B12 has been low intake for the last two weeks. Like we got to take care of this or your energy is going to start hitting the tubes or whatever. Right. And it's, it's very informational to understand that. Right. And then obviously like, you know, for you guys, like, I mean, what I love about the program too is like I can literally just, you know, I don't know, I don't know everything, you know, in terms of food and nutrients and everything Mm -hmm. all the time. So I can just hover over the nutrient and it'll, you know, it'll give you the food options and everything. Right. So I love that. And, and other areas I use this too, is with people with digestive issues and stuff, Mm -hmm. like still the gold standard to this day of, you know, people with digestive problems is a, is a food diary, right? Like, oh yeah, you know, that's really going to tell you what foods are upsetting your system. So I use this a lot with my clients that are having like you know troubles with digestion and stuff like that. It's like all right, make sure after after any meal where you're feeling, you know, this digestive discomfort, make sure you put a note in there in mm-hmm. chronometer that says hey like something simple, right? Just like bloated, whatever. But yes. now we can go through the week and and we can look at okay, you were bloated every time you ate broccoli garlic
0: right <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. exactly
1: no and and it's a it's a game changer for that stuff too right so it's it's you know mm-hmm. a, a lot of people i don't think understand the value in it right where they're just like oh well it's just, you know, I'm going to see how many calories I'm eating. It's not that you can literally take this thing as far as you want to take it. And, you know, I think maybe that's the value in working with a professional or something like that too, is like, mm-hmm. you kind of, you know, they can help you along and, and get a better understanding of your food and how it's affecting your body and like the nutrients that you're putting in or the nutrients that you're missing or whatever. Right. So it, yeah, it's, to me, it's, I mean, obviously it's why I do it with people, right. Is it's just so informational, it's so informative. And I've never worked with anybody who said, oh, yeah, I didn't learn anything from doing that. You know, like everybody is just like, yeah, this is crazy. I never knew, (laughs) you know, I never knew I was doing this or that or whatever. Right. So it's, it's certainly worth it, in my opinion.
0: Well, it's interesting you say that because that's how I identified that I can no longer have garlic, which yeah. is the biggest heartbreak of my life, maybe. <laughs> uh, but I didn't know. And then I, I did what you suggested, yes. and I was tracking it. So, yeah. Chronometer gave me, uh, I know that I can't have garlic, and I knew that I wasn't eating enough magnesium or protein. What have yeah. you learned from tracking?
1: Originally, the carbs. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> I, I love like, carbs. Wow, I'm
1: eating 500 grams <laughs> of carbs a day. Okay.
0: Yeah, you are.
1: Yeah. I, you know, and, and like I said, you don't know until you, uh, you know, if you would have asked me, I mean, actually, I remember because it was a, a project for in class when I was becoming a dietitian. And I remember thinking like, oh, yeah, I eat about 250 grams of carbs a day. And it was more Times like, four, yeah, 450 to 500. <laughs> so, it, you know, things, things like that. I mean, but I mean, in terms of the most important things I've learned is, like I said, I, I think it's just the idea of like, what is an ideal portion sizing and meal size and stuff for my body I think has been has been super beneficial you know in terms of like the nutrients and stuff like I love that information and you can always go in there and you can toy with things and you can make addition, you know make additions to foods or make subtractions if you're having dietary issues and stuff but I mean to me and especially even now with the way the you know, the kind of like the dietitian or from kind of what I'm seeing in terms of like the dietitian world is that a lot of people are going to this more intuitive eating model and stuff like that. Um, But I think for a lot of people, the reason why we have these issues with weight and all this stuff, a lot of times is that we don't understand what what true like what a true portion size or meal size is going to look like for us. And it's Mm -hmm. very hard to do things intuitively when we don't have a sense of what is kind of intuitive for our body if that makes sense right so i like it just for the for the simple purpose of it's going to show me you know how much i can be eating and it's going to really teach me what specific foods i need to eat to make the most of a, of a very healthy you know diet right a, a nutrient dense diet
0: there are some sleepers out there like peanut butter you know like it's oh. it, it's really easy to go over your caloric needs, if you're just at maintenance, because that's where I'm at right now, just maintaining like one scoop of peanut butter can honestly derail that because it's so dense in calories. And if if you don't like, I, I don't, I'm like you, I don't, I don't measure anymore, but I have a specific peanut butter spoon when I'm adding it to like a smoothie bowl. I'm like, I know that this is roughly a tablespoon, but two tablespoons, you know, that's like a hundred calories difference would, is in one tablespoon. So foods like that, I think it's really good, you know, like fruits and vegetables, maybe it's not as big of a deal. But when you're looking at like really dense caloric foods, then tracking is key.
1: And peanut butter is a great example because a lot of people think that peanut butter is protein. And I like that you know, that obviously chronometer has the percentages, like everything based on macro percentages, right? So if I click, if I log a peanut butter, I can see that 80% of it is fat, you know, 8% of it is uh, protein and 12% is carb or whatever it it leads up to. I don't know the exact number, but, Mm -hmm. you know, and then all of a sudden that's a mega eye opener too, where you're like, oh, I was adding, you know, I've had people say anything, right? I'm just going to add, Oh, I need more protein. Okay. I'll have more oatmeal. I'm like, no, that's not a protein source. Right. Or like peanut butter is a classic one for a lot of people. Right. Oh, I'll just eat more nuts. It's like, okay, well, that handful <laughs> of nuts was 400 calories and oh, it was yeah. 12 grams of protein. Like that's the, you know, that's really not balancing out. So I, yeah, like for those reasons too, like you said, right, like calorically, we start to figure out how to kind of fit things in a little bit better, but we also get a better understanding of like what truly what foods are, are providing what nutrients to our body as well.
0: Speaking of nutrients being when it's men's health month, what do you think is the number one, actually uh, I'll, re- I'll restructure the number one macronutrient that men should pay attention to. And the number one micronutrient, a uh, micronutrient we've used that word a couple of times for those of you that don't know, it's just the fancy word for vitamins and minerals. So what do you think men should be paying attention to while tracking?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, obviously You know, when it comes to macronutrients, like I'm going to always defer to protein. You know, I mean, to me, protein is the king. It is the thing that, you know, essentially, from what I know right now, you're not really going to have too much of, right? And for Mm -hmm. a a number of different reasons, right? I mean, it's great for satiety, right? It is great for the thermic effect of food, right? So our body is actually going to burn calories in the digestive process, but protein has a 30%. Roughly thirty percent thermic effect, as opposed to carbs and fats, which are like three and five. So -hmm. we can actually get. I I did a. I I threw an email out there to my list there recently, and I did the math on it, and it was like if you changed your protein intake from like fifteen percent up to thirty percent over the course of the year, just through the thermic effect of the food, you would burn like an extra twenty-eight thousand calories a year. You know, and that's just like to me, like these are the little things that if you can burn an extra 28,000 calories a year, naturally, that's massive, right? That's huge. huge. Exactly. And then not only that, but it's your, you know, your structure, you know, your structural, uh, molecule, right? So you're, it's great for the rebuild, the repair process, anyone who's wanting to increase their muscle mass or anything like that, it's going to really help with that. Um, and then it's, uh, it doesn't digest, it doesn't get stored as, uh, as body fat as readily as, um, carbs or fats are going to, right? So it it breaks down into amino acids that get utilized throughout the body. It's not necessarily stored in fat tissue. So for all those, those are like my big four reasons that I would really hammer down on the protein is, you know, thermic effect can can be massive in terms of your additional caloric burn throughout the, you know, the day, the week, the month, the year, especially. And then satiety is huge, right? So when we're trying to manage our, our food intake, we want to make sure we're full. And if we're eating extra protein, we're going to, you know, have that extra satiety. So those, those two things are huge, right? And then obviously, uh, you know, in terms of micronutrition, I would kind of say magnesium is one of those things that mm-hmm. a lot of people are missing out on just because it's a precursor to so many other things, I think it has something to do with like 300... Mm -hmm. enzymatic processes in the body or something like that right and it's you know the other thing that kind of comes to mind is like vitamin d intake but magnesium also helps in the absorption of vitamin d and things like that and magnesium is one of those things that is easily lost especially right now or in the summertime or anyone who's training hard if you're sweating a lot that's one of those things that gets easily lost in in like just from sweat and just from running your body hard and everything right so just for the variety and the, the amount of influence that magnesium can have on your body i would go with magnesium on, on uh, micronutrients.
0: I love that you said both of those things because we actually have a, a men's health nutrition score now for the month of June 2022. I should specify it's free for all male users. Um, and then otherwise it's a gold subscription feature, but two of the things that we decided should be included in this score are protein and magnesium. So
1: perfect. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah. I think that's so nice. now there's,
0: there's, there's other nutrients as well. And it ju- just like, will tell you if you're hitting, hitting those nutrition scores are cool. Cause I just like at a glance, like how's my bone health, <laughs> you know? That oh, totally. kind
1: of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Those yeah. things are great. Yeah.
0: And then just one takeaway before we wrap up, what is one practical piece of advice, if anyone that's listening to this, what is the one thing that you think that they could do today that would change their life for the better in terms of their health and nutrition?
1: Okay, so I have a little thing that I use, and I call it minding your P's and Q's. All right? So I think if people could mind their P's and Q's a little bit more nutritionally, they could see a massive benefit. So I'm, I'm kind of using my little P's and Q's as a way to get in some extra here. But <laughs> in terms of our nutritional P's, we've got protein, and we've got plants. And then our nutritional cues are quantity and quality. All right. So I'm a huge believer that you know obviously we need the right amount of protein in our diet for all the stuff we just talked about and then plants they just provide such an incredible benefit to your body nutritionally and like we've talked a lot about micronutrients and everything like that and when i say plants i mean you know anything vegetables fruits you know good plant-based carbohydrates good plant-based fats like olive oils coconut oil avocado oil things like that basically if we can really take care of our protein intake and our plant intake and we kind of focus there that's going to be the majority of what you need right there. You know, and I'm big on starting with what you need first. So load up that plate with protein and load it up with plants. And then if you got room for more later, then you got moderation, you know, in the rest of Mm the stuff. And then that's kind of where the quantity and quality comes in. Right. So if we're doing the good lean proteins and we're doing the plants, we're going to be taking care of our quality right there. That's going to probably cover the majority of our bases. And then, like I said, if if we're doing these good quality lean proteins and we're doing a lot of plants, these are also very high volume, low caloric foods, right? So that's going to help take care of the quantities as well. So we can eat large amounts of, you know, very lean proteins and we can eat even bigger like eat as much veggies and and berries and stuff as you possibly can and now you're going to be taking care of the quantities right so that i would just say for people if they could you know if they can remember that before you sit down for a meal mind your p's and q's get your protein get your plants make those the focal point of every plate that you make and then you've got your q's taken care of well as well right you've got your your quality taken care of and you've got your quantity moderated pretty well
0: that's amazing we we have a couple like quotable adam quotes coach adam quotes we have that don't quit it fit it
1: uh, yeah i gotta <laughs> write that down i'll forget that yeah.
0: i have it here and then mind your peace and Q's. and it's been so great having you on here i think that you should just come here all, all the time because you're you're such a good source of information where can people find you if they just cannot get enough
1: Yeah, sure. So if anybody wants to look me up, um, you can find me on I'm on Instagram a lot. So my my handle or whatever on Instagram is Adam underscore Ross underscore RD. And I put out a lot of info on there. I also have a free Facebook page. So I will give you the name of that as soon as I call it up here.
0: We will provide all of these links in the show notes as well.
1: So I have the free Facebook page which is called a.r.nutrition simple nutrition amazing results life changing health that's the I, the group name's probably a little too long but that's the whole name. Yep, yeah. and then also a website. So is it, website is just arnutrition.net. Yeah, that'll lead you to anything I've ever done. I've got some a lot of free resources on there, you know, um uh, free uh training for macros i've got an ebook and i've also got um like a getting prepared for summer package as well with some some information cool. on there for free
0: <laughs> i'm gonna need that <laughs> i'm gonna need that now yeah, exactly. uh, <laughs> exactly. okay that's awesome if someone wants to work with you um and have you as their coach can they like dm slide you or do you prefer that they contact you through the website how do people work
1: with you? Yeah, no. However, you want to get a hold of me. So shoot me a note. Whether it's yeah, Instagram DM or Facebook, or I also have a link in my bio on Instagram. To uh, you can just book a calendly appointment with me. I also have that on my website as well. So yeah, whether no matter whichever where or whichever place you you want to look me up, there's always a way to book a call with me for sure. Awesome. Yeah, Adam, thank and you
0: so much for sharing your knowledge with all of us. Chronometer lovers. We really appreciate having you in here.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me, Lisa. It was my pleasure.
0: We'll talk to you next time.
1: You got it. Thanks.
0: See you bye.